Welcome to The Last Word on the Crosstalk Messages podcast. Every week we take a last look at the message from the most recent Crosstalk. Enjoy this short conversation and stay tuned for the full message directly after. Welcome to The Last Word. I am Cam, one of the Crosstalk interns here at Cypress Creek Church, and I am joined by my two amazing co-workers slash, I don't know, just amazing people in my life. We have... I'm Paulina. Paulina. I'm also a Crosstalk intern. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm on staff. That's the, uh, that's the best just, introduction I've ever been given. Amazing. Yeah. Yes. My two awesome, wonderful yes. <laughs> co-workers slash sure. friends. Um, that's very kind of you, Cam. My name is JD. I am also on staff with Crosstalk here at Cypress Creek Church. Yes. Glad to be here, as Paulina is. <laughs> um, so last week at Crosstalk, it was really an awesome week. We had Jose come and speak, and it was really a beautiful picture of the body and having the lead pastor of Cyprus come and be at Sewell, where he kind of got plugged into the church. And so I think it's just a really cool picture coming all around. But I have just a few questions for you guys this morning. And the first question is based off of Acts 17.25, when it says, And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. So based off this verse and just knowing that, how do you think reflecting on that can help transform the way that we live and love others? I think that there are two things for me when I when I read that verse. The first part of that is recognizing God's sovereignty, that he is ultimately the author of life and mm-hmm. creation, that he is the one who created order out of chaos, as Genesis chapter mm-hmm. one tells us. And in light of that, then mm-hmm. it changes the way that we view other people because we view other people as created by him, that mm-hmm. God, if God is ultimately the author and the perfecter of life, if he is the one who knew us when we were in our mother's womb mm-hmm. and we are made in his image, then that frees us up to Mm -hmm. love other people as they are also created in the image of God. And the second piece of that is it takes our performance anxiety away. Mm, If God is not served by our actions and our deeds, then we love people based on the freedom that he has given us, Mm -hmm. and that gives glory to him. The Westminster Confession of Faith says that the chief end of man is to glorify God and Mm -hmm. to enjoy him forever. And I really Mm -hmm. think of that when I read a verse like that because it points Mm -hmm. to God's sovereignty, but it also points to our freedom to glorify him by loving other people who are made in the image of God. Mm -hmm. Totally. I was thinking about this verse with witness, what we've been talking about the whole semester. And I really, it's so humbling, you know, as though like sometimes I serve and act and love people in the way that God needs something from me, you know, instead of he doesn't need anything. And instead, what an opportunity we have to even get to participate in his work and in his work in like our lives individually and in other people's lives. And that it's just an honor. We are just talking about just this time of year being crazy and we can get tired. And it makes me think of the verse that says, don't get weary doing good, you know, and mm. it's the same thing if I know that God doesn't need something from me, but this is an like an open door that he's given me to love on people well, then I'll continue on easier than when I think I'm doing something for God because he needs me to do it. Otherwise, who's going to do it, which mm-hmm. is yeah. not the truth. Yeah. yeah. Yesterday at church when um, Pastor David was here and um, he said, never get tired of glorifying God. I just loved 
that statement. I wrote it down. Mm-hmm. I was like, star it, circle it, just because I, I've heard like, you know, glorify God and everything. But I don't know. I think just putting like never get tired of it is really mm-hmm. like profound for me. Um, super cool. And also uh, at Crosstalk on Thursday, Jose talked a lot about his mission trip to Thessalonica. So my question is, JD, when are we going to Thessalonica? (laughs) (laughs) TBD. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. But he did talk about getting rejected over and over again and and dealing with that. But he learned to grow because of it. And so how do you think we can use rejection like that to learn and grow from it? I know for me, I feel the same sort of tensions when I'm on the quad and yeah. I'm handing out cards to people and they're rejecting me all the time. I used to say that it, uh, when I was doing the same thing for camp was this is just lessons in the art of rejection. And a lot of that is learning to trust in our identity as a child of God. Yeah. And that our worth and our value and our purpose is not determined by people's response Mm. to us. And so when somebody says no to me and says no to Jesus, that doesn't say anything about me. Mm -hmm. It just is, that's part of things. That's us, when we use our freedom to glorify God, to invite people to experience the new life that we have experienced that is a free gift. Mm-hmm. It is unconditional and it doesn't say anything about my worth or value when they say no to me. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, I have to learn to live into my identity mm-hmm. primarily yeah. so that I am not tossed to and fro by the accept, mm-hmm. uh, like people accepting me or people mm-hmm. rejecting me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could tell by all of our reactions that we were all thinking yeah. about outreach <laughs> and. <laughs> Honestly, what that tells me is that we're all people that are rejected often, you know, and I think that's something I just didn't see of other believers, like that they also were putting themselves out there in a way that they were getting rejected. And I think we're just all in the same boat. We're all, Mm -hmm. it's a good thing to get rejected because when I'm not getting rejected, I'm probably not sharing the word in Mm -hmm. situations or with people that are challenging and not like you know, the person I grew up with that already goes to church, that right. kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, again, how humbling that we are so out of control that we don't even get to control. We don't have a formula that when we share the gospel this way, we don't get rejected. You know, it's like yeah. God just asks us to be faithful and only he knows what one card or one kind word or invite to crosstalk does. You know, only yeah. he is the one that grows that. And we just mm-hmm. try to do yeah. our little yeah tiny part that he doesn't need us for, but that he'll let us go in for um, faithfully. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I think it ties back into identity too. And like knowing where your worth and identity is found. I think there's a quote I was reading it yesterday. Um, I think it's by John Piper, I think, but it says, um, we're most glorified or God is most, not we're most glorified, but God is most glorified when we're the most satisfied in him. And like when we go into the world. Um, but I think that's a cool quote. So also on Thursday, Jose talked a lot about the importance of being in biblical community like crosstalk. So how have you both been transformed by biblical community in your lives? Yeah, golly. So he talked about three types or kinds of people um, when he talked about that. And the first of which were the people who are just checking it out, who don't know God, who are maybe just checking it out for the first time, don't know if they're into this, don't know if they can get on board with Jesus. 
The second piece of that is somebody who has come to know Jesus and they're learning to follow him on a, on a regular basis and learning to give Jesus their lives. And then the third group of people were those who, like Paul, were proclaiming the word of God with all wisdom, teaching others. And I think that biblical community has to have all three of those. Mm -hmm. If we only have people who follow Jesus, we become this insular holy huddle where we are not living out the word of God in a way that actually has meaningful implications for the lives of other people. Mm -hmm. And when I think about my own life, I've been in all three of those places. Mm -hmm. And that's the beauty of biblical community to me is that I was invited in as somebody asking questions about God who brought all of my fears and my doubts. And I found a place that accepted me and accepted those questions. They accepted all of the things that I was struggling with without making me feel bad or like a failure or like I was going to be rejected for doing so. And then when I came to know Jesus, they faithfully walked with me as I learned what it meant to give my life over to him. And then they empowered me to begin to lead. And I think that that's transformational community is when we're invited into that space, starting Mm -hmm. from the moment that we're just checking out God to the moment that we be grow in maturity and have the opportunity to lead and to serve. Oh my gosh, that's what makes the people of God come alive is when we have created safe, transformational, biblical, communal spaces for people to encounter the living God. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about it as if those all three of those versions of people are all together in mm-hmm. a community. And I think for me, that's the perspective I went to is how I was thinking about this in the world. We don't have many communities that are like that, that are a place where you are allowed to disagree and to come with all of your fears and past experiences and to be reunited around something that's outside of yourself. You know, because like I even think about in college, like you might be in even other organizations or clubs and they're all based on a common thing that has to do with like, oh, we're all education majors or we're all, you know, we all have this. We want to live like this. We want to pursue this. And I think the difference with biblical community is seeing that we revolve around God and who he is and who he says that we are not that I'm this type of person or personality and JD matches that or doesn't. And so we are aren't in community, but it's a challenge to do all of that, all of those stages in ourselves and in other people together. And to stay together through that around God. Yeah, for sure. It's cool to think about how none of us would probably be here if it weren't for biblical community and like them inviting us and and walking through life with Jesus with us. Um, So incredible and so amazing. Well, um, next week is Thanksgiving week, but um, I wanted to hand the last word right over to JD, maybe for some updates or anything. Absolutely. We are going to wrap up our series on the book of Acts here this week. I do understand that Acts has 28 chapters and we're not going to get to all 28, but the key thing that we wanted to see here in the book of Acts was uh, the the key verse of Acts 1-8, where Jesus tells the disciples that they will be his witness in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so really what we've wanted to do with the book of Acts is to see how the local church has become a global church, how it started as a group of people gathering 
in Jerusalem and really has become the worldwide movement that it is today and how God has used broken and sinful human beings to bring others to know him. And so we'll wrap that up this week. We're going to be touching base on one more story here in the book of Acts, and then we'll kind of turn our attention to the Christmas story coming out of Thanksgiving. So we'll see you guys this week. Hey, I want to thank Michaela, Artie, and Sydney for worshiping their hearts out and leading us. Can we thank them? And let's thank JD and Paulina for being the best crosstalk pastors on planet Earth. I may be biased, but I find that to be true. I'm really happy to be here, and I mean it. Like some people say, I'm really excited to be here. Normally they say, I'm really excited to be here. and But I'm really happy to be here because Crosstalk changed my life. I was in your seat or sitting on the floor just like you are right now, listening to someone like me, thinking, um, whoa, it's just so cool to be a part of something that God is doing. And I hope that this evening we can all connect in some way to what God is doing through his word, but really through the organism that is the church. What JD was just talking about, the, the way that God decides to move is through us. It's a mystery. The Holy Spirit in us uh, creates these coincidences, and then we end up in places like this, and before we know it, our lives are changed. So before I get rolling any further, I want to ask, what are you guys studying? What, what's your major? Yell it out loud. I want to hear it. What's your major? Business admin, elementary education. Undecided. Good. Stay that way. What, who, who else? Psychology, criminal justice. That's what I'm talking about. Espanol. Muy bien, Laurel. Nacerle. So I started as a freshman at Texas State wanting to major in business administration. And here's the thing. Last week, Paulina talked to us. And the only thing that I got out of that was that math was cool and middle school was cool. Did you hear her say that at the beginning if you were there? I couldn't disagree more. My middle school years were dreadful. And I hate math. I hate math so much that it was in my math business class. It wasn't calculus even. It was math business. I, 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 I was just sad about life all the time in that class. And I took a test and I didn't feel good about the test. Then the person sitting next to me uh, wasn't feeling that way. She was actually feeling the opposite. And she finished the test much faster than I did. And she was just venting that she had changed her major. And she was happy because she would never take a math class again. So that convinced me uh, to seek this major that she changed her major to, which was international studies. And as soon as I went home, back then you had to plug in your laptop to the ethernet to get internet. We didn't have Wi-Fi yet all over campus. I saw this degree plan that talked about culture and a little bit about politics, but a lot of history and just a lot of observation of, of things that are different than the, the things that we live here. And I thought, I'm changing my major. And I didn't check with my parents first and they paid for college. So that was a mistake. If you plan on doing that, check with your parents. It's the nice thing to do. You honor them that way. We got over it. We moved on. And y'all, I had a blast studying international studies, so much so that my third year in college, I lived abroad for a whole year, went to the Netherlands. And I got to explore and examine not only a new place, but I got to meet 
people that believed totally different things than I did, that walked uh, and came from totally different backgrounds than I did. And I felt like I became a richer human being because of those experiences. And so that's what I want to zero in this evening as we talk about this theme that you guys have uh, been walking through, witness. What does it mean to witness? What does it mean to experience something? See, observe, examine something and make that change your life. So I want to start by prayer, and then we're going to turn to Acts chapter 17. Um, But first, let me recap what Paulina said last uh, week, because if you missed it, let me just tell you, go back and watch it. I told her with tears in my eyes before I came up that it was so, she did such an incredible job communicating the freedom that we have in Jesus, how Jesus came to truly set us free. Again, if you missed it, please, please, please go back, put your YouTube thing on while you're walking across campus and and check it out. Uh, This morning, I wanna continue on, on this topic of witness and freedom as we look at Acts 17. Let's pray before we uh, open up God's word. I thank you, God, that your word is perfect and is true. I thank you, God, that also you invite us to examine your word, to to test it and to live it out. You're not uh, challenged by our questions or afraid of us uh, uh, doubting, God. I pray that as we read, we would think critically and we allow it, God, to transform the way that we think and the way that we live so that we can be uh, uh, better followers of you and understand your grace more, Jesus. I pray that that would be the end result of tonight. I pray this in your name. Amen. So we're in Acts chapter 17, and we're going to be talking a lot about examining and studying something thoroughly. So Paul and Silas are on a journey. They're checking uh, or they're going through these different places and they're about to hit a few spots. We're going to focus on three places. One is Thessalonica or Thessaloniki. Now is uh, today it's called. The second is Berea and the third is Athens. So we'll look at three different scenes in any time in a chapter of scripture when we see or we read repetition, we got to focus in because that means that the word is teaching us something. And we're going to see some of that. So I want us uh, to just pay attention to it as we read it. So I'm going to start in verse one. I'll go to verse five. I'll break and then I'll pick back up in verse 10. So now when they, that's Paul and Silas, had passed through Amphipolis, let's say all that together because it's fun, Amphipolis and Apollonia, even better, let's all say that together. Come on now, Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica. Cool, let's say that, Thessalonica. That's about a day's journey each by foot. So about 50 kilometers or so. JD's about to run 50 kilometers just for fun here in a little bit because he's a crazy person. But these guys were just going because they were spreading the word of Jesus. JD does that as well. So where there was a synagogue of the Jews. So they were going to the synagogue here in Thessalonica and Paul went in and as was his custom and on three Sabbath days. So that's three weeks. He did this repeatedly. He reasoned with them from the scriptures. Now he's reasoning with these Jews in their holy place in the synagogue where they were gathering from the Old Testament. That's the first 39 books of the Bible and explaining and 
proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead in saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. So we read that Paul is explaining, he's proving, he's reasoning with these people. Now, Paul was an incredible teacher the best teacher of the day. He was smart. He was Jewish. He was trained in these 39 books. So you're talking about elite status. If it was me and I was one of those Jews, I'd be like, woo, baby. That's what I'm talking about. This guy's turning heads. This guy's like, like enlightening my, my, you know, but that's not what happens. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, so some, good. As did many, so some of the Jews, as did many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. So that means uh, quite a few women, says another translation. So that's really good. We had some Jews, many Greeks, and quite a few women. By the way, it's kind of cool that they focus on women. Women were a big deal in Greek uh, and Roman culture back then. So this was a huge deal that they were turning. And as an ancient document, it's amazing that they're getting uh, the the credit that they are due in this passage. We'll see that again. But the Jews who were Paul's targeted audience were jealous and taking some wicked men of the rabble, that's uh, bad people from the marketplace, so the bad hombres that are hanging out in the marketplace ready to cause trouble, the Jews are asking them, hey, come, because this guy is talking about all this stuff that's that's going against what we normally teach, and we need to get him out of here. And so they formed a mob, set the city on an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out of the crowd. So uh, his experience in Thessalonica was not very successful. um, on my fourth year at Crosstalk, we, we went to on a mission trip to this city, Thessalonica. And I was pumped up with Mountain Dew. We were trained to go out into the streets and ask these amazing, beautiful Greek people, hey, I come in the name of Jesus. Do you know him? And most of them are Orthodox uh, Christians. So that's one of the uh, three mainline. There's Protestant, which is what we would be non-denominational. And then there's Catholics and then there's Orthodox. And, and they would be of the Greek Orthodox tradition. And so they know Jesus, but few of them have read the Bible. So our goal was to open up the word and do exactly what this says to prove and to to show them, hey, look, Jesus is actually the savior of the world. He came here for you. And and our goal was to do that starting on the streets and and then uh, go on. Here's the deal, y'all. It did not go well. I got denied more then than any other time in, in my life. I mean, constantly, and it was exhausting to talk to people. Not denied, like, they just didn't want to talk to me. And it was uh, in 2012 when there was a recession in the country. And so we asked this uh, question, hey, what do you think the hope of Greece is? That was kind of our, our uh, use that question to maybe talk about deeper things. And you know what they would say? They would look around and they say, what problem? There is no problem in Greece. Look, everybody sitting in the cafes. That's a pretty good accent, by the way. I'm just letting you know. If you've never met a Greek person, that's a pretty good accent. You know, there is no problem in Greece. It is, it is a beautiful country. It is perfect. That is just the European Union, the, the, the media. There is no problem. Okay. Well, at the, t- 
to, to their point, I mean, it didn't crumble, but the EU paid, that's another story for another day, but they, they had big problems and they just didn't want to deal with them. I had two roommates or flatmates is what you call them in Europe. This was a year prior when I went abroad. Vasilis and Marcos, and both of them are Greeks, and they taught me something. They said that the Greeks, they think like democracy. That's a Greek idea, but the world they do what the Greeks think about. They actually put it into practice. And I kind of started seeing that as I was there. And, and one of the guys said, hey, don't you realize that the word of God that you are telling us was written here as in a boastful way? And I was like, yes, I do realize that. And, and I'm here to talk to you about a relationship with the living God. Anyway, y'all, it was a really hard time. My faith was sharpened. And I also learned a lot what not to say. So that is Thessalonica. Here is Berea, verse 10. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. Again, it's about a 50-mile uh, a um, walk. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. So we've seen the pattern. Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed with not a few Greek women, which means uh, uh, quite a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. I love this because they call out the, the women first. You know what I mean? They're like, hey, they were leading the pact. And yeah, a few men followed. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul also, so these are the bad hombres with the rabble. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who con uh, conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come as soon as possible, they departed. Okay, so we're in Berea. What are we learning in, in Berea? That they are receiving this word with eagerness as they are examining the scriptures daily. Y'all, when I read this, it was like a, a flashback to 2008 when I was a freshman on this campus, lost, looking for satisfaction. First in my business administration major, and I realized that is not going to satisfy me. And so then I went off to parties and I went off to try to find friends and in, in a crew, and I played soccer at the uh, for the club team here, and, and I had a good group of guys, but but I was becoming someone that I knew I wasn't. I was making decisions and acting in ways that were not the way that I knew who I was. I was thirsting, though, for approval. It wasn't until a talk like this in many talks in a community group when I realized that it was the living God that was pursuing me, that wanted a relationship with me. And it was through prayer with these, with these small group of guys that this thing started changing. I started seeing things differently. I started seeing myself differently. And then all of a sudden, before I knew it, I, I'd be like this in worship all the time, you know, like barely singing. I was like, hands up in the air, and and, and I got baptized right over there uh, on the other side of the, the thing. And my parents were like, man, what is what is going on? And I said, I, I'm so eager to know more about Jesus because for the first time in my life, I really feel alive. Have you ever felt that way? Or have you ever wanted to feel that way? 
We're learning the secret right here in Berea. It teaches us that they examined the scriptures daily, guys, every single day with eagerness. Another scripture says that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be satisfied. So when we hunger, when we're eager, God will always satisfy. And I just love that it is Berea that gets the good, you know. Uh, they're like a town 50 miles south of the big city, Thessaloniki. It's like if, if Paul went to Austin and Austin was like, boop. But then he came to San Marcos and then San Marcos showed up with eagerness. You see what I mean? I just like making those comparisons. Don't, don't read any more into that. I just thought that that was, a, that was a cool little thing. And then we move on to Athens. And Athens teaches us how to witness how to be good witnesses. Once we have said yes to Jesus, once we've had this experience as the Bereans have, that they're examining the word of God daily because they're eager, they're wanting to grow. Paul teaches us in Athens how to, how to be good witnesses. So quick recap, Paul and Timothy, um, no, Paul is waiting for Timothy and Silas to arrive in Athens. And, and Paul was distressed because he was walking around. He was observing in the city. He was seeing all of these idols, all of these statues, all of these things that uh, were taking the affection and the attention of people. And in verse 22, he's standing in this place called the uh, Areo, Areopagus or Areopagus. That's how you say it, Areopagus, uh, which is like this public square for reasoning. People were actually curious because uh, Paul was teaching the gospel. They'd never heard the gospel. They invited him, they address everyone. And so he says this in verse 22. Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. So again, Paul had observed the culture. Paul had examined the culture. And he said, you're very religious. You have a lot of idols. For as I passed along, observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. So the Greeks didn't want to miss any deity. And so they just checked off all the boxes by saying, hey, this idol, if there's another God, then this will be the unknown God. Well, just make sure that, that we're not missing anyone. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. So Paul is going straight and he's saying, I've observed, I've examined the culture, and now I'm, I know where I'm gonna insert the gospel. I know where I'm gonna insert Jesus. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything in it, being the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation, of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, yet he is actually not far from each one of us. I wanna stop there and repeat what Paul is saying here. He's saying that this 
God, this unknown God, he's giving him a name. And he's saying that he is the creator, the one that created the entire world, the one that created all of us, the one that created a family where all people come from. And he's saying, seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. He's actually not far away from from one of us. He's close. He's, He's the God that is near. Paul is teaching us here to observe the culture and then to insert the gospel where there is an unknown, where there is a need. And I want to tell you uh, a few stats. In the state of Texas, Travis County is the most unreligious, or that's not the right word, most religiously unaffiliated. There you go. That's the word. 33% of Travis County, that's Austin, is religiously unaffiliated. Hayes County right here, second highest rate of unaffiliated, you know, uh, religious people. In the state of Texas, 31%, only 2% less than Travis County. Let me tell you something. I think that is awesome because I don't want to just sing Kumbaya as a community of God and look inwards and say, hey, way to go. Like, yeah, let's say those things. Let's say way to go. But let's turn while we're holding hands to a a world that is desperately in need of a biblically sound God that created the world that is going to truly satisfy. It's an amazing opportunity to witness. I want to continue reading and then I'll I'll, I'll hit you with a a couple of more stats and and then we'll close. Uh, He says, in him we live in verse 28 and move, have our being as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. So he's saying you can't create God. He's not a created being and he's not static. He's alive. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. That means to recognize that that, that we can't do it on our own. We can't rely on our own strength. We have to turn from our selfish ways and surrender to an almighty God because, verse 31, he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. It's Jesus. And of this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. So he's saying this, God died and defeated death by resurrecting. And in verse 32, now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, we will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst, but some men joined him and believed among uh, among whom also were Dionysus, the Areopagites, and a woman named Damaris and others with them. So we have three different people in these three cities that I want to close with. The first is Paul and Silas, but but Paul is a mouthpiece. And he's he's sharing Jesus. He's bold, man. I want to be like Paul, you know? I mean, I want to be bold in sharing the gospel and, and unashamed and confident that this is true. I'm growing in that, and, and I hope that I continue to. So that's the, the first one. The second are those that are hearing this and, and are loving it. They're, they're saying, this is exactly what I needed. And for me, that was 
me when I was a part of Crosstalk. Every Crosstalk, every community group, I felt like God was teaching me something new and I would write it down. And now, you know what? I look back at the things that I wrote down and they were some pretty awesome things that God was teaching me. And now later on in my walk, a decade or so later, I'm taught. I, I go back to what I learned and that teaches me things that I need now because we never outgrow our, our faith. We're always growing. We're always growing. And there's something special when he's forming us in our college years. And then there's this third group of people. And those are the ones that mock. Those are the ones that are uh, grabbing the, 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 the bad guys. They're causing, hey, let, let's, let's stop this from, from increasing. You know, in, in us as people, I, I hope that you identify with one of those three people groups. I hope that uh, maybe you're, you're ready to be bold. You're ready to, to, to uh, take a community group leadership position or be somebody that, that, that stands boldly for the gospel. Or maybe you're in that second, but where you're just starting out your faith and you're excited and you're learning and you're growing. Or maybe you're in that third place. You're just seeking God. You're, you're just figuring out what it looks like. My encouragement for all of us is to do what these verses are asking us to do, and that is examine, study, study what this word says. Our questions are never too big for God or never too doubtful or, or challenging. We can ask. And he says, if we seek, if we knock, the door will be open. And especially when we do it, together. There's a book um, that was uh, written by a guy whose name I don't remember, but it's The Fabric of Faithfulness. And he saw that there were a lot of college students that were on fire for God. But then five to 10 years afterwards, a lot of them were kind of drifting away and they would leave not only church, but they would leave their faith. And he studied these people that didn't, that stayed true. And he saw three keys that, that were 100% accurate in every single person that he studied. The first one was a personal relationship with a mentor in their life. Someone that was discipling them, teaching them, not only the things of God, but how, they, uh, 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 how we walk them out. And I hope that you have a community group leader or, or you go to Paulina or you go to JD or you go to someone that you trust that's following Jesus. And you say, hey, can I follow you as, as you follow Jesus? Because those relationships will teach you uh, way more than listening to someone up here for 30 minutes. I hope I haven't gone much longer than 30 minutes, uh, but I'm wrapping up here soon. And they will teach you so much more. That personal relationship will go far. The second is they did this. They, they gathered together a lot and they hung out. And y'all, when we worship, it is something, it's this thing that happens in here that, that just praises God. It's us singing glory to God. It's us saying that there's someone higher than, than we can even understand. And it's powerful and it transforms us. And that's why we sing. So we're about to sing right now. So when we get together, it reminds us that we're not alone. And it also encourages us that there's other people that are committed to the same thing. And the third is a solid biblical worldview. 
And that is what Paul is teaching us to do in Acts chapter 17, to examine, not only examine the scriptures, but to examine culture, to look out how other uh, uh, people see life and, and, and talk well. There's another uh, study that just came out last week, this week actually, and I read it and I thought, man, I'm talking about this at Crosstalk and so it's awesome. Where is it? I don't know if I'm going to get it. Yeah. Nope. One second, guys. This is good. You're going to want to know. Which of the following characteristics, this is the question posed, would you describe someone who is comfortable sharing their faith? Okay, so we're looking at characteristics of confident and comfortable witnesses. 72% said those who listen without judgment. How good are you? How good am I at listening without judgment? And the second place was 50% said those that don't force a conclusion. How cool is that? Did Paul force a conclusion? He spoke truth, but he didn't force anyone to do anything. Quite, quite the opposite. They were forcing him out, yeah? In, in, the, in, in, the, in the verses? And so let's be those types of witnesses, guys, in our communities. Those that listen without judgment and those that don't force a conclusion. And then 49% confident in sharing your own perspective. The more that I read God's word, especially in community, the more I'm confident that this is the true living word of God. Even when 60 6% or 68%, 9% think otherwise. Y'all, I love, I don't know, I love being in the minority personally. That just, that just may be me. But, but I love doing it with uh, this conviction, core conviction that what we're reading is really, really true. And the fact that we're able to do this freely out here is beautiful. And so I wanna close, Ben, you guys can come back up by asking, what are you studying right now? What are you studying in life? Are you really uh, bringing all your hard questions to God, all your hard questions to JD and and Pauline and your community group leaders? Are, Are you saying, is this really it? Because some of us grew up with this understanding of maybe what God was. But this is the time where we get to challenge those things and seek the living God. And, and, and maybe you may be um, super focused in your major. And I was not satisfied with business administration at all. I was really satisfied with international studies for many reasons. Got to travel, got to learn a whole lot of fun things, but nothing is more satisfying than following Jesus and being a part of a community like this. And I am so thankful that you're here. I'm so thankful that uh, you, you allowed me to speak to you this evening. And I'm thankful because I know God is going to do awesome and amazing things through each one of you as you continue to seek God. Thanks again for tuning in to the Crosstalk Messages podcast. Make sure you are following Crosstalk on social media at Crosstalk underscore TXST. If you have any questions for the Crosstalk team, you can send us a message on those pages. We will see you here again next week.